Hello and welcome to the CISS podcast. This is the Point series by China Forum. In this series, we will have one-on-one discussions with top-level officials, diplomats, well-known entrepreneurs, academics, and media experts from both China and abroad to hear their fresh insights on important global issues. Hello and welcome to CISS podcast, the Point series. I'm Han Hua. With the evolving situation in Afghanistan under tight global scrutiny, we're joined by Ambassador Yue Xiaoyong, China's newly appointed special envoy for Afghan affairs, on our program today. Ambassador Yue has recently participated in several rounds of talks concerning the Afghan situation and has directly exchanged ideas with the Taliban. What are the root causes behind the Afghan crisis? What is China's take on the current situation in Afghanistan? How could China help with the reconciliation and the reconstruction process of the Afghan people? Let's hear China Forum Vice Chairman Eric Li Shimo's one-on-one interview with Ambassador Yue Xiaoyong. Please stay tuned. Today we bring to you China's newly appointed special envoy to Afghanistan. The world's latest hotspot. Ambassador Yue Xiaoyong is one of the most seasoned diplomats from the PRC. We are pleased to have him with us today. Ambassador Yue, welcome to China Forum. Let me first ask, where are you sitting? Where are you now? I'm in Pakistan, in Islamabad, for several days already. Okay. So, what's it like in Pakistan? Oh yeah, this is my first visit to Pakistan. Indeed. Pakistan played a very important role, both as an important regional country and an important neighbor upon Afghanistan issue. People here, both the government and the public, are really concerned and have great interest in keen on the changes and the crisis in Afghanistan. They contribute really a lot to the peace, reconciliation, and the ongoing intra-Afghan talks previously and now. The promotion of the peace and the reconciliation of Afghanistan. We have very good dialogue. Great. So, Ambassador, about a month ago, U.S. President Biden said that it was going to be highly unlikely that the Taliban would be able to take over Afghanistan because the Taliban had only seventy-five thousand fighters, and the Afghan government armed forces was three hundred thousand strong and heavily equipped by、uh, advanced American weapons. Yet, in a month's time, less than a month's time, Taliban had taken over、yeah. Afghanistan. The fact that they did it so easily and so smoothly—is this some evidence that we can rely upon to, to assess to arrive at a conclusion that Taliban does have significant grassroots support among the Afghan population? This is a very good、uh, description of the situation, and also a very good question. Let me put it this way: the irresponsible and hasty withdrawal. Of the troops of the United States, as well as the NATO, is really the major factor of the disaster and the crisis or messy situation, the chaotic situation in Afghanistan. This is really a great lesson. I believe the United States should draw. For 20 years, they put so much into Afghanistan and spent so much money, more than two trillion U.S. dollars, and、uh, several thousands of casualties. Now have such a messy situation. It is not only a military failure; it is also a failure in terms of international politics and credibility on the part of America. We hope, and I speak to my counterpart 
from the United States directly in our bilateral exchanges too, that the United States should draw the lessons and really redress the mistakes. Don't repeat mistakes in the current ongoing efforts to deal with the crisis of the Afghanistan issue. And in future, when we together with the international society in handling the issue. United States still one of the important player and outside actor vis-a-vis Afghanistan issue. And we really hope they will draw this heavy lesson they had, the failure of the military, political, and uh, credibility in this Afghanistan issue, uh, joined the international efforts to promote really constructively the peace reconstruction and uh, future political structure of the country so that we can really effectively fight terrorism and to make sure the future Afghanistan will not be the safe haven of the growth of the terrorism and also will not be the threat of the neighbors of the nations around of the region and the international relations. We are in this ongoing process. As for the question you mentioned, indeed, the situation really shows that in the international arena, to use power politics, to use military means to solve the problem, especially like hotspots in Afghanistan, is not a way to do it. And it causes more problems than solve it. You know, for 20 years, some country like the United States, they want to move the model in their own country upon quite another sovereign country. This approach is the root of what in their mind in dealing with the international affairs in handling the hotspots caused so much disasters and the troubles, not in the handling of the Afghanistan issue, but also in handling other regional conflicts and in other international affairs in general. We should all remember the lessons United States have in this issue and really come back to the United Nations Charter and based on core aims and the purpose of the United Nations Charter based on the international multilateral approach and also really from both the policy and the practice, respect the sovereignty, the territorial integrity and the independence of our sovereign state and always remember and refrain from intervening into internal affairs of a sovereign state is a very important principle in dealing with the issues like this. Yes, good. So, Ambassador, now... You know, the Taliban is uh, almost all the time portrayed in the Western media as a tyrannical group of people. And obviously, we see images in Kabul airport. There were quite a a lot of uh, Afghans running away from them. But of course, we got to keep in mind, Afghanistan is a nation of nearly 40 million people. And the people at the Kabul Mm -hmm. airport was but a small portion of that population. And I want to come back to my first question, which is, you know, 75,000 fighters without much heavy weapon support, was able to overtake the entire country against 300,000 troops supported by the lone superpower in the world with more advanced weapons. The fact that they were able to do that, I mean, do you think they have significant grassroots support within the Afghan people? Yeah, that is a question. From what I feel and I have met with them, both in Tianjin, the delegation headed by Mr. Baladar, the director of the political office in Doha to there to have meetings and conversations. And also after that, I also meet them in both six plus two meetings in Doha and the Choika plus one. 
China, Russia, United States, and Pakistan. I saw a lot of reports that you have just now said. There are a lot of comments and、uh, criticisms, and also some positive comments on their changes, and also the doubts and the suspicions of what their behavior, whether they are really changed or not. In all this、uh, multilateral conversation, from what I can see, Taliban has already become an important political and military force of the nation. As we said, we respect the sovereignty, territorial integrity, and independence of Afghan people to handling their own affairs. Now we have Taliban forces. And we also have other stakeholders in Afghanistan. The best way for us is to have the dialogue with them, to engage them, and work together for the peace, reconciliation, inclusive government constituting efforts, fighting against terrorism, arrange and rebuild the country in a way that will be the friendly with the neighbors, the region, and the international society. From what we can see now, Taliban has promised they are going to have this process with the regional and the international efforts. They are going to have the dialogue. They are doing that, and、uh, I participate in some of the dialogues between Taliban and、uh, the former republic, like、uh, with the chairman Abdullah Abdullah and、uh, others. Number one. They know they have to have the unity of the country to reconstruct, to build the nation, and they need the peace and the reconciliation of different political forces. And also, we share wisdom that is very, very important for Taliban and other stakeholders resolutely fighting terrorism. And the Taliban itself should make a clean and clear break. From any terrorist groups is very clear, and that is also what they have stated and presented, and a part of puzzle of the current peace and reconciliation process. Of course, we not only listen to what they said, and we pay more attention to what they are doing and they are going to do. So far, we have seen some positive trends. In Taliban, when they entered Kabul and when they take over many many cities and almost all of the country, except a very few somewhere here and there, this is ongoing process. This is why we keep engage with them together with other stakeholders to make sure that we, as neighbor countries, as regional countries, we help create environment and conditions, and so that. They can really hold the fate, the future of the country in their own hands. That is why, in our dialogue with them, no matter it is in the SCO, the Central Asia SCO Afghan Liaison Group meeting, take place in July, and also in Tianjin dialogue, in other a lot of mechanisms initiated by the neighboring countries and the regional countries from Russia, Turkey, Central Asia countries, from Iran. From here, Pakistan, and from themselves in Doha process too. All this, we like to join efforts to encourage the positive trends Taliban have and other stakeholders together they have. And at the same time, we watch any negative elements there. And that is why we also pointed out international society should join hands together to work with them to encourage the trends of Afghanistan and. From the stakeholders, including Taliban, 
as major political and military force towards a peace, reconciliation, and inclusive political structure, friendly relations with the neighbor and the international society, fighting terrorism and preventing the country from becoming a new safe haven of the terrorist groups and preventing the country from spilling over of the current fluid crisis situation. All this, we are in the middle of the efforts. We also emphasize, maybe now I take too long to present this, but it's very important. It is a crisis situation. It is a peace promotion reconciliation process. At the same time, it is an opportunity. Top opportunity from my perspective is to see for the first time over the past 20 years or over the past 40 years or 70 years, Afghan have an opportunity to hold fate in their own hands. We should give them to enjoy a full play of how they seize this opportunity to realize the peace, sustainable stability, and the, the peaceful reconstruction, the inclusive constitution, not the constitution, whatever you call it, of the country. So we together, China as both major country in the United Nations, in the international arena, is the biggest neighbor of Afghanistan and also long time traditionally friendly neighbors with Afghanistan. We really like to see Afghanistan to seize this opportunity to find their own path, supported by their own people, and really suitable to their own conditions and to develop itself. Yes, certainly you're right, Ambassador. This is probably the first time in many decades that Afghans can determine the fate of their own country by themselves without foreign interference and foreign troops on their soil. Sure. From my encounter with them, their political office in Doha and others, they were really keen in learning the experience of the neighbors and the other successful countries and the learning from China, of course. But we always say you should find your own suitable way to develop yourself, to find stability, to find the peace and reconstruction. But of course, we are ready to help. We are ready to join their efforts. And we like to develop and continue our long-term traditional friendship with Afghanistan. Good. So, Ambassador, since you have uh, met them and dealt with them many times, uh, let me ask you this. What are they like? What are the Taliban people like? I mean, we see them. Are they really scary people as we see from CNN or BBC? Or are they normal people like you and me? (laughs) What are they Uh, like? Yeah, from my meeting of them, it it reminds me of the people from Afghanistan, from the region, from the Belize. They are friendly. They like to exchange views with me and with others. They listen. They explain things. Of course, they like to present their positions, but they always like to exchange views with people. In Doha, they participated almost all the multilateral, big or small, dialogue platforms. I attended almost all the major multilateral dialogues there. That is very good dialogue, very constructive. Of course, there are some sticky points. The process people concentrating then is how they can restart intra-Afghan political talks between two sides. One week later, when we left, the situation changed in the way that the former president Ghani left Kabul and the Taliban entered Kabul. And the people now concentrating on how 
they really manage the situation, it is both an opportunity and a challenge to them. Whether they can peacefully manage it, whether they can maintain the stability. We also emphasize that uh, I remember I left Doha, began my trip again. I talked to them together with our other embassies, and we talked to them in Beijing. Our state councillor and the foreign minister gave a lot of calls around the world with many of his counterparts. And we, as special envoy in the front, we emphasize that they should really pay attention to protecting the safety and the security of Chinese embassy and other embassies there, and protecting the lives and the institutions and the companies of China there. They promised. So, so far, our ambassador and our embassy is still in Kabul. They are still operating and work. So far, so good. We continue to emphasize this is a very important point. We keep engaging them and to work with them to tide over the current crisis. Good. So Afghanistan is a neighbor of China. We share a border, but it's a critical neighbor. So if we continue to engage in Afghanistan, Ambassador, what are China's primary interests in Afghanistan? What are most important to China? It is a good question. I think uh, it is uh, like a Chinese uh, foreign policy in general. We put the people first. It is uh, our people's call, our country's security and our people's security, stability that gave us the mission for our foreign policy in general and for our efforts in Afghanistan. Like in this, it's very specific. We have the 90-some kilometers boarding wisdom. And if you consider other neighboring countries like Pakistan and uh, Tajikistan, yeah. And we shared with Tajikistan and with Pakistan much longer, hundreds and thousands of kilometers border with both the neighbor countries and directly with Afghanistan. So we are very concerned about the stability of Afghanistan, about how they tide over the crisis and about how and whether there will be spilling over of the violence and the chaotic situation, especially how they really effectively fighting against terrorism. Chinese people watch very closely, which also affect our west border areas and our Xinjiang areas, ETIM. And we have repeatedly tell them that we like to work together for this. And they have also promised to continue and effectively to watch the situation to make the clear cut off with any possible links with the terrorist groups and with the terrorist organization in general. So all this is very directly connecting with China's interests. And so is the common concern and common interests of the neighboring and the regional and the international society at large. And at the same time, of course, you take the longer view and uh, constructively look ahead. China is also ready for the peaceful reconstruction. And not only we for our China's opening and the development and the construction of our own countries. And we also like to develop the win-win cooperation, the mutual beneficial cooperation with them. We have already had with our partners around this region. In the north, we have the Belt One Road with Central Asia countries, which is very successful. And there are a lot of promising and the potential connectivity projects, connectivity and transportation energy plans. These regional countries themselves have a lot of very good thinking, very good initiative and proposals. In my trip, 
And also, if you go to South Asia areas, West and South Asia areas, from Iran all the way to South Asia, Pakistan, and other countries, they also think of how to take advantage of their regional cooperation, both with each other and with China. Like in Pakistan, we have already had the economic corridor there. Their special envoy told me that they very much positively considering how to move this economic corridor, the benefits and share it with Afghanistan. Both sides are very interested. I have traveled almost all these uh, regional countries and neighboring countries, all the way from Russia, Turkey, Uzbekistan, Turkestan, Tajikistan, Iran, and Pakistan. I didn't go to Turkmenistan because all the airline is uh, temporarily locked down. But I have the opportunity to meet with their deputy foreign minister in my meeting in Doha. As you rightly put it, Shimon, that you are quite well informed that this is my get-to-know trip. I like to meet all of my counterparts and other countries around this region, including Qatar, where I worked as ambassador. So from all these exchanges and views, I feel there's a strong consensus in the neighboring countries and regions to see the peace and reconstruction of Afghanistan. They are ready from different level, from different perspective, but they are ready to help both on the peace of process and on the reconstruction side. So from this perspective, you can cautiously optimistic that once Afghanistan people really grasp this opportunity and take the fate in their own hands, give them opportunity, cast away the power politics, cast away the hegemonic thinking, and cast away the high-handed military and the more imposing of the, whatever you call it, so-called other countries' model of imposing something on them. We have a very hopeful and a promising future in Afghanistan as well as their relations with the rest of the world. Very good. I take that as your message to the departing superpower in Afghanistan's military uh, allies. So uh, let's make some predictions. When will a formal government be formed in the new Islamic Emirates of Afghanistan? When do you think they can finish the process of forming a real government? It's a question in a lot of people's mind. Now we are right in the middle of it. We have a lot of news. Some of news, we have some uncertainties there. This is why we are watching. This is why we keep engaging people there and try to have the right interact. So far, from what I heard, Taliban is making contact with other stakeholders and uh, some leading personalities who are involved in the previous intra-talks and the peace and the reconciliation process. Some of them have returned and remained in Afghanistan. And uh, there are some talks taking place. The challenge for international society, for the neighboring countries, is right now how to really encourage the positive trends in Afghanistan, including Taliban, and how to avoid possible repeat of historical lessons, both inside Afghanistan and from the international arena. Well, from what I could hear from you in this interview, I'm encouraged. In the last 20 years, as we said, the United States and its military allies has spent trillions of dollars, had suffered thousands of deaths of their own troops, and many, many more, tens of thousands of Afghans and perhaps more. Over the last two decades, agitly failed, not only of their own mission, but also Afghan people have been suffering for 20 years and continue to suffer in no better shape than they were 20 years ago, if not worse. 
and from what I could hear from you, if China is going to play an important role in the future of Afghanistan, it's going to be very different from what the West has been doing there for the last decades. It looks like you're paying more attention to economic development, how to work with neighbors, and looks like you would assiduously avoid imposing your political model on them. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, you are raising a very important question. This is a question really all the major powers, especially United States, frankly speaking, should consider. That's why, just as our state councilor and foreign minister Wang Yi, in his uh, meeting and uh, online conversation with uh, a lot of uh, foreign ministers, his counterpart, both in the international and in the regional. It's a very busy process. And in our encounter here as a special envoy and as uh, our embassy around here to make the efforts, the United States should really draw the lesson from this. The core of the lesson is to really to see whether you really respect the sovereignty and the territorial integrity and the independence of our sovereign state. So in whole process of handling this crisis in Afghanistan, of help to have the political settlement or the peaceful reconstruction or peaceful reconciliation of the nation to have the new life of this country, we have to follow Afghan-led, Afghan-owned principle. We have to pay very close attention to whether you are doing something really reflecting your respect a sovereign country. At the same time, as a responsible international actor, of course, we like to give our help as an outsider, as a friendly neighbor, as a constructive partner in the region. Together, with the efforts of Afghanistan to fight against terrorism, to prevent the humanitarian disaster, to do the necessary assistance to help them, not to use your word, not to just uh, whenever there's uh, some problems, you deflecting to others and uh, imposing your own model upon another sovereign country. The history has already shown this is not the way in the past, at the present and in the future in handling the international relations. Ambassador, if you're able to get on Afghan television, what will you say to the Afghan people on behalf of China? I really didn't think of that question yet. But one day, if there's an opportunity, I really would say that China is a friend of Afghanistan. And we have all along have this uh, traditional friendly relations. We set up all diplomatic relations very early, 1950s. And historically, we have uh, this hundred thousand years of the ancient Silk Road traditional friendship. And now we have the opportunity to, based on all these relations, based on the principle of respecting each other, the sovereignty and independence of the country, we have the opportunity to realize the peace, reconciliation, and the reconstruction of Afghanistan to enjoy, along with China's peaceful path of the foreign policy, and we share the common future together. Thank you, Mr. Ambassador. Appreciate your time and good luck and be safe. Thank you, Simo. Thank you very much. Well, that was China Forum's interview with Ambassador Yu Xiaoyong, China's Special Envoy for Afghan Affairs. Thanks for listening.